You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy draft day, everyone. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard with you on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're new to the show, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, where you'll get all the latest updates on the show, any new guests that we might be having on. You'll hear about that first, all the Syracuse news and intel that we want to share with you as well. You'll get all of that all kind of curated together on our Twitter account at LO underscore Syracuse. Today on the show, Tim, it is the NBA draft today, so Elijah Hughes Likely getting his name called, it's just a matter of where. Will he be a first-round pick, second-round pick? We'll dive into all of that in just a little bit. And then, Jimmy Beheim entering his name into the transfer portal. So we will discuss what all of that means. the speculation begin. I know. There's (laughs) nothing that... I think I'm trying to think of the most speculative stories for Syracuse basketball. And And it's it's right up there. (laughs) It's that and when Jim Beheim will retire. Yep. Do you have a third one? Because there's like the rule of threes. You always have to follow the rule of threes. So what's the third big-time speculative? I guess it's will recruit X decommit. Yeah, before... I was going to say it was the Dior story, but sadly yeah. that <laughs> is not a story that, anymore. That's past. So now <laughs> right. I guess we move on to the next commit that can maybe decommit. Oh, anyway, uh, before we get into that, though, I do want to discuss this. Have you seen this story? Um, University of North Carolina. It will be having cutout fans yeah. inside their basketball stadium, both Carmichael Arena and the Dean Dome. And that's got me thinking, I haven't seen anything for Syracuse. And they haven't done anything for the um they haven't done anything for the football games. No cutouts. And it's kind of weird because that just feels like an easy way to make money. I'm not sure why a team would turn down the cutout process, the fan cutouts. So if Syracuse does end up getting these fan cutouts in the Dome, which, I mean, come on, this is a, a slam dunk opportunity here to, to make some cash in a, a financially strapped period of time, we have to get in the Dome, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way we're turning this down. This is We're just going to turn it into an advertisement for the podcast. Like, we can Photoshop a little Locked On Syracuse logo on our shirts. <laughs> and you know what? Like, if, if there's an advertiser out there that wants to sponsor the pod or wants to sponsor our cutouts, we'll wear like your company hat or something too. Yeah, we I will mean, sell we, out. We can be bought. Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> we can be bought in this situation. So if, if there's anyone, or if you just want to sponsor the pod, you want to sponsor a segment, the, the prop shop on Fridays, you want to sponsor any Syracuse basketball coverage, or you just want to get a little ad insert, feel free to, to hit us up on Twitter or you can, um, you can just get in contact with us. We're not hard to find. Um, so... Yeah, if you're interested in that also, you can look into that as well. But today, let's get into our draft thoughts here because Elijah Hughes, again, this is a guy who led the ACC in scoring a year ago and now has a chance to be one of Syracuse's first-round draft picks in quite some time. The first one we will have seen since Tyler Lydon back in, what was that now, 2017. Yeah. And... I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick. Obviously, the mocks haven't been kind to him since he was a as a first-round pick. So I, I look at this from a number of ways, okay? We, there's two questions we have to answer here. A, where will he go? B, 
What's the best fit for him? Because at the end of the day, with no NCAA tournament this season, you're going to see a lot of guys maybe go above where their draft slot should be. And you're going to probably see a lot of second-round sleepers. And I think Elijah definitely falls into a guy who could be a second-round sleeper type of player. Yeah, it seems like he's his name is being thrown around a lot as sleeper. And I know John Hollinger has been high on him. It seems like the athletic is more high on him than maybe other sites. And I sort of did a roundup of where the mock drafts are at right now. I don't have to read through all of them, but essentially 36 to 52 is the range I saw mostly. And then I, I saw a 24 see, thrown out there as well. Yeah, I, I saw a 26th on NBA draft room to the Celtics, yeah. which would be awesome for me. Oh, nice. I'm a Celtics I will say this, 24 was a Milwaukee pick. And that pick got traded... Uh, what was it? Two nights ago now. Yeah, they've been um, making moves. So, so the Bucks traded that pick, and it was. I have seen some rumors floated that the Bucks really like both him and Desmond Bain, but they obviously don't hold that pick anymore, and it's now a Pelicans pick. But that's also worth noting because Sam Vecini has Hughes projected to the Pelicans at thirty nine. Yeah. So, would the Pelicans entertain now that they have a little extra draft capital, not just this year, but moving forward? They've got a ton of picks now. Uh, David Griffin and, and uh, Sam Presti in an arms race for draft picks. <laughs> and you've got maybe you'll you'll reach on a guy like Hughes now at 24. So that's still, I think, in play. And I think 36 to Philly has been the most prominent one I've seen. I know Vecini had that in one of his latest mocks. I don't know if it was the latest one as of recording. And then CBS Sports' Gary Parrish had him 36 to Philly, and Bleacher Report also had him 36. But yeah. essentially... I, and Gavoni I, has 49 to Philly, too. So yeah. there seems to be some Philly love. Right. And and 49 would be kind of a bummer. I, I like to see him go a little bit earlier than that. I think he deserves to go a little bit earlier than that. But I gathered six main sites, and then I sort of averaged it all out. And right now, his average on the six main mock drafts that I've seen is a 39.1. So 39th, 40th, right in that range is probably what expectation should be going into the draft. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to get picked there. I mean, I think we both really think he should be getting picked in the 28 to 32 range, I'd say, would be a pretty comfortable spot for me. And and I know that that's coming at it from a Syracuse podcast, so you might already go up with the Homer radio takes or whatever, but I, I've been down on some of the other Syracuse guys coming out as NBA prospects, and it's easy hindsight 2020. I, I didn't really see Malachi Richardson, Tyler Lydon as a first-round draft pick. I thought that was a little bullish on them. Tyus Battle I never really viewed as a guy that was going to make it in the league just because his shot was not quite up to the standard. But Hughes, to me, is more of what the NBA is these days, and he fits that NBA mold a little bit better. Yeah, I would have said if Tyler Lydon... I mean, Tyler Lydon just didn't pan out. But Elijah Hughes, Injuries I think, really too. has potential. Yeah, that obviously a big part of it. But yeah, Tyler Lydon... Or, I mean, rather, Elijah Hughes, I think, has the potential. When you look at what the NBA is looking for, you mentioned it. It's now 3 and D. And obviously, the, the whole Syracuse narrative around defense is going to be thrown out on draft night when he gets picked. But I do think that when you watch him play defense... Even in the zone, he carries a lot of man-to-man principle. A lot of the things that he does in the zone translates to man-to-man. The way he jumps passing lanes, just the way he's got a feel for defensive presence, too. 
I think that is going to entice some team. Now, will it be in the first round? I don't know. But you look at some of the teams early on in the second round, and I think he's a solid fit with a number of them. I mean, right now I'm looking here. We mentioned the Sixers. Well, they've got a ton of second round picks. I'm looking through right now. They have 34, 36, and 49, and 58. So you've got four second round picks. Now, Will they end up making all four of those second-round picks? Who knows? The trades are bound to happen on draft night. But it feels like there are a number of teams early in the second round that I think would be really enticing for him, whether it's the Pelicans, the Sixers, uh, the Knicks, the the Wizards. I mean, there are a, a Charlotte. There's a lot of good teams there early on that I think he would fit in well with. Yeah, the Sixers, I think, would, would work out well. And you know, it's it's weird that it's now Daryl Morey, but he obviously has some history of really appreciating the three ball, which is kind of odd that Ben Simmons is now his prized guy there at Philly for the moment, at least. But yeah, I think there's there's a likelihood that he goes probably early second round would be my projection. And I, I really do feel like he has some sleeper potential. I look at the ringers big board here in front of me and Kevin O'Connor does a good job of kind of breaking down all the prospects and how you know, they think of Hughes from an NBA lens, sort of his little blurb on him. And he's got him 38 on his big board is a developing well-rounded score who performed well in college, despite heavy defensive attention. There's something to be said about the fact that he was, you know, carrying the load on Syracuse's offense, which is a heavy isolation based offense compared to other college teams. And honestly, that's kind of the way the NBA is too. There's a lot of isolation ball and a lot of go create your own shot off a pick and roll and, and I think that's a question mark with Hughes is, is now how well can he be off the ball because he but but to that I would say that he he played like that a lot at at the first year that he was at Syracuse or the second year he was there but first year he was eligible to be playing and and when he exploded in the tournament game against Baylor and had like 25 you know he wasn't the main ball handler where last year we saw him basically playing point guard at times for Syracuse. All right, so tonight is draft night, and there's no better compliment to yelling at the TV after your team makes a pick than Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport, team, or event just to drink beer. And with the return of hoops right around the corner and football in full swing, there's never been a better time to stock up on the mountain-cold refreshment of Coors Light. Do what I do. Settle into the couch, order a pizza, and order some Coors Light, too. That's right. It's not just your local restaurants that can deliver it to you these days. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can have a 6-pack, 12-pack, or even a 24-pack of Mountain Cold Coors Lights at your doorstep in under an hour. Yeah, that's right. Under an hour. That's faster than, than most delivery services. So you can get that at your door under an hour if you go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Golden, Colorado. Ty, you can also grab yourself a box of our favorite protein bars. That's Built Bar, of course, up to 18 amazing flavors. They got caramel brownie, German chocolate, raspberry, peanut butter, banana bread, which is an awesome flavor and one of my personal favorites. They're 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a candy bar that is good for you. That's all I can say. That's that's the easiest sell ever. I don't know what you're waiting for more than a candy bar that actually is somehow good for you. So without further ado, go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code that's locked on, all one word, 
It gets you 20% off your next order. Again, our promo code is locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's put a little prop shop on this. Where should we set the number here? I'll set it for you at 39 and a half. Yeah, I was going to say the 39 Elijah average. It's, it makes it Elijah Hughes's. Easy. Yeah, Elijah Hughes' draft spot, 39 and a half. Are you go, taking the over? Is he going to go later than 39 and a half? Or are you going to take the under? Is he going to go earlier than that 39th pick? I mean, it's it's optimistic thinking because I hope he goes as early as possible, obviously. He was great to us at Syracuse and wish him all the best. So I'm going to take the under, though. I think 36 to Philly, even 34 to Philly, as you mentioned, seems like kind of the most logical destination at this point. But who really knows? I mean, I it seems like the Celtics do like him, and, and he's popped up on the Celtics drafts a little bit, too, which is encouraging for me, as I said. But that might be a little bit of a reach to to grab him in the first round. I would expect like 32 or, or 34 right in that range is probably where he'll go. I'm with you too. I'm going to take the under on this. And one thing that's intriguing to me is if there is a lot of Pelican love here, the Pelicans have 39 and 42. Could they package both of those picks to maybe get to 32, 33, 34? And get a guy like Hughes that they really want? Like, is that something that would be in the cards? And again, a team like the Pelicans, a ton of draft capital over these next three, four years. So they can maybe be a a little more wheel and deal on draft night tonight. So that's certainly a team that I would look for. All right, when we look at Hughes, do you have a list of teams in your mind that you would either A, really want him to go to and think he would be a great fit, or B, at no cost, do I want Elijah Hughes playing for that team? <laughs> so, I mean, the Celtics would be great for me as, as a Celtics fan. But uh, outside of that, I think the important thing for all these guys, especially when you're talking about second-round prospects, because you're not planning your lineup around this guy. And, and maybe you're looking at, oh, we're a little weak on wing depth, and, and maybe that persuades a team to go the Elijah Hughes route versus if they were you know, stacked in the front court and or something like that. And, and positions could play a factor, but it's not like, oh, we've got a, a great starting point guard and a great starting small forward, so we don't need Elijah Hughes. That's not going to happen, really, when you're looking at a second round or a late first round guy. So to me, I mean, the biggest thing is just, does he go to a good culture? Because we've seen a lot of players kind of fall into the abyss at, at a Sacramento or even the Knicks, I know we probably have some Knicks fans listening, but there's been guys that haven't really panned out just because they haven't gone to that right first place, and that is huge. And I I worry if he gets into a bad culture situation, that could literally make or break a career. So I just want to see him go to some of those high culture type teams, whether it is the Miami Heat that probably don't really have a pick in that range given how they played this year, but like you think of those high culture teams like the Spurs or the Heat or the Nuggets even and what they've been building. I, I feel like that's the biggest thing for a second round prospect. And I don't really have any particular teams in mind based on positions because I think it, in the second round, what matters more is just the culture. Can we just agree we don't want to see him go to the Sacramento Kings? Yeah. I mean, forget that for careers go to, yeah. go to die. Syracuse careers go to die there. I mean... Malachi, who you just mentioned there, Dante Green, another first-round guy. His career never panned out there. 
Tyler Lydon just got waived from there. I mean, it's just a, a running, running thing of, oh, uh, yes, it's uh, another failed Syracuse prospect with the Sacramento Kings. So I, I would just love to see them not get, uh, or for Elijah to not end up with the Kings. That, that That's my, my only ask. And, and he may have to dodge a couple bullets. I'm looking here, 35, 43, 52... There, there's a lot of King's ammo in that second round. And, and not just in the second round, in prime Elijah sniping second round uh, <laughs> draft capital. Yeah, there. SI has him going to the Kings at 52. And again, that's the worst ranking for him. So it might, I mean, there's 49 and 52, and then everything else is 39 or below for him. So, it, you know, it's just tough to read those, those second round guys. The one thing I will say about Hughes, and some people will point to his age as a negative which I get. I mean, that's big in the NBA circles. He's 22 and two months old, I think, is where he's at right now. And that makes sense that, you know, you, you want to get younger prospects because they can develop more and they have a longer shelf life, perhaps, in the league if they pan out. I will say, though, he is a late bloomer. So to me, he's 22, but it's almost like we're talking about a freshman or a sophomore because he played two years at Syracuse and then now he's going to the draft. I know he was at ECU and that factors into his age, but he's kind of still it on an sit upward. Out a year too. Yeah, he's still on an upward trajectory, though, in my eyes. And it's not like you're getting some senior who played four years of college basketball in his junior and senior year. He was on a plateau, and he got to that plateau and kind of stayed there, like a Marcus Howard or a Cassius Winston type player. To me, he's a different 22, almost like Obi Toppin, and how people talk about him at the top of this draft because. He's still climbing the ranks, and there's still a lot left of potential that maybe we haven't seen yet. That's fair. I I think that the age thing this year is even less important, too, because of the fact that, I mean, think about it from this lens. You're going to want a guy in the draft, especially if you can somehow get a guy in the draft that's ready to go right away. You're probably going to want someone who's a little more mature, a little older, and that's something that I think a team might value in this unorthodox 2020 season, 2020-2021, because guess what? I mean, the games start in a month, so you're going to want a guy who's ready to go as opposed to someone who may need a little more maturity, a guy who might need to learn, like, how do I even move into an apartment and stuff like that? And it's just little things like that that can help with, and you're looking at a guy like Elijah who's done a lot of moving around whether it's schools, whether it's, um, I mean, he, he went to a number of high schools. He went to a number of, uh, of colleges. So he's a guy who's accustomed to change and being able to adjust on the fly and fit in pretty seamlessly. And I think if, if I'm Elijah Hughes doing interviews with teams, I would hope that's something that he brought up because that can show the maturity in a kid like him. Yeah, I mean, the final thing I'll say about Hughes is I don't think he's a Bayheim's Army player in five, six years. Like, he he really, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, works that's out. That's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he's just, he has the six seven type, like, switchability that they're looking for at the NBA level. That's what the NBA is now. It's these versatile wings that can guard different positions, they can score in the pick and roll, and they can step out and shoot the three. And his three-point shot, it was a little inconsistent at times, but... He can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot spotting up. Now, maybe he could probably get a little bit better if we're being picky on the spot up, and that's something that probably NBA scouts will want to see improvement in. But his shot has continued to improve year over year. So that's another thing that goes back to the fact that he's still on that upward trajectory. 
let me run through a quick exercise with you of I'm, I'm going to throw out a prospect and you're going to tell me, would you take him above or after Elijah? Okay. Fuse, okay. Desmond Bain, TCU. I'd probably take Desmond Bain. He, he seems like a high character guy and he's been getting a lot of, a lot of love and probably a little bit more consistent of a three point shooter right now. Yeah. I agree with you. Tyler Bay. Yeah, I'd go Hughes probably. I, I haven't watched Bay's game admittedly a ton from Colorado. I'd, I don't watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball, unfortunately. It's it's too late and, and not enough intrigue on, on this side I think, of the world. I think I'd actually rather go with Bay in okay. this situation. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, Washington. McDaniels probably just because of the hype, although I'm sure some people watched Washington a little bit last year. He kind of low-key like sort of stunk, even though he was a top-10 recruit. And, and when he got to Washington, it was more Isaiah Stewart carrying them, and McDaniels was sort of underwhelming. But he does have the athleticism and potential way more than Hughes at this point. So you probably have to lean him. Yeah, I think it, it depends on your situation. If you can sit McDaniels for a couple of years, let him develop, I'd probably lean McDaniels. But in order to start day one, not start, but like be a contributor yeah. day one, probably Elijah Hughes. I agree with that. A um, couple more for you here. Cassius Stanley, Duke. Eh, probably Stanley. I, again, he's a little bit more of an athlete. But there's some question marks with Stanley, too, and he's not your... Duke does not have any guys that will go in the lottery, which is kind of bizarre for them. Right. Uh, let me go... I got two or three more for you here. Jordan Wara. I think I'd go Hughes, yeah. I I never really liked Wara at, at Louisville, and we've probably talked about it on this podcast before, but he just kind of underwhelmed in the big games. I might lean Wara there. But yeah. it's close. It's He's very dropped close. a lot from last year, and it's almost and puzzling. Listen, Wara was a guy who once upon a time was considered to be a lottery pick. Yeah. And now he's he's somehow dropped to the 50 or so range, and depending on where you're looking. Uh, last one, Mason Jones out of Arkansas. I don't know much about him, so I'll, I'll say Syracuse, because, again, I, I just didn't watch much of Eric Musselman at Arkansas basketball last year, so Hughes over him. Yeah, I, I definitely lean Hughes in that regard there, too. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some Jimmy Beheim because he's now in the transfer portal. And could Syracuse be a fit for one of Jim Beheim's sons once again? We'll talk about that next. All right, someone who is no stranger to the Carrier Dome floor is now on the open market. Jimmy Beheim, one of three Cornell players entering the transfer portal. Of course, the son of Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim, in case you've been living under a rock. And I would just say this. While it's very possible that Jimmy Beheim has played his... Well, I think based on all the rules, unless there's some sort of big logistical change in the Ivy League since they canceled their season this year, Jimmy Beheim under normal rules would not be allowed to play for Cornell again because the Ivy League does not allow for grad transfers. Now, yeah. that could change. Will the Ivy League grant all of the seniors this year an extra year of eligibility? Also, he could just Who pace knows? his classes and then graduate in 2021 and you know, like stretch it out in terms of his workload class-wise so that true. he is not graduated yet. That is also true. Um, but now the question is, would he be a fit at Syracuse? And would he be a guy that Syracuse would want to bring in? Obviously, the ties are there. So it's worth noting a couple things before we dive into this. First of all, would he transfer this year? 
and would he be available to play? Because again, it's very rare that the NCAA grants these in-season-ish sort of transfers. But with the Ivy League canceling their season, there might be a chance that for the spring semester, you are allowed to play. So right in time for ACC play, essentially. Um, and to that, I would say, well, first of all, logistically, something would have to work out because right now Syracuse has 13 scholarship players. That, of course, is the NCAA limit. However, since Jimmy Beheim is the son of Jim Beheim, he could come on as a walk-on and not count towards the scholarship count. And of course, he essentially would get a free ride. Not that I think the Bayheims would have any financial problems <laughs> yeah. getting him into Syracuse University. And of course, I don't think the academics would be a, a problem to get him in. Um, no. Maybe a little donor money uh, could help too. Well, he's but... also got a 4.0 in the Ivy League. So I yeah, think he can I, get into Syracuse. Again, sometimes. academics, not the yeah. problem here getting him into Syracuse. So do you think that this is something Syracuse should explore for this year? So... I don't think it's going to happen. I, I wouldn't, like, I'd be pretty surprised if it happens, just because I was reading back this article from Donna DeToto last year. It was right around this time in 2019. Okay, yeah, I read the same article. Yeah, too. so, I mean, uh, granted, Go ahead and say your point, because I have... It's a different situation. A yeah, and yes. I, I can probably, mm-hmm. I, I can probably predict what you're about to say, but she said, well, he appreciates the social media speculation, understands the attraction of the storyline. He's not transferring to SU. Not now, not as a graduate transfer, never, period. And he kind of gets into, like, playing for my brother and, and playing for my dad would be really cool, don't get me wrong, but Cornell was, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's saying Cornell was on me early and they've really built me into the player I am and I'm loyal to them. So that that part you kind of have to throw out the window because now like it's not seen as being disloyal if he leaves given that they just aren't playing basketball this year and he's just looking for a place to play basketball next season yeah cornell is essentially off the table now yeah i mean there's a chance that he could pace his classes like i said and and finish up his year or they they do come down and say some red shirt eligibility type ruling i think him going into the transfer portal is just him sort of figuring it out right now. And he said, that, I think his coach, Brian Earl, has said that in quotes, that like all three of those seniors that entered for Cornell, they're just trying to figure it out, and the coaching staff is trying to work with them and see, yeah, okay, can feelers. you play? Yeah, and I, I mean, Syracuse is a logical, like, oh, what about here? Objectively, I don't know if it's really that good of a fit anyway, because you've got Quincy probably coming back. Now, there's a lot of ifs here like is Quincy going to blossom into an NBA prospect some people would probably argue that I I think it's a little premature to think he would be NBA bound after this year but who knows let's just say he comes back you you might have Marek and Barama coming back they'll be eligible to come back Benny Williams is joining the forward front court type area Robert Braswell's still there Woody Newton's still there that's a lot of guys I I know Jimmy Benham's a talented player I would compare him to probably a player that is like almost as good as Buddy, maybe slightly worse. I mean, I, it's tough to say exactly how much of an impact he would make, but he led Cornell in scoring, averaged like 17 points a game, shot at 43% from the field. He's he's played well when he's played against Syracuse. I think we've seen him a decent amount now there, and he'd be an impact, but they have a lot of guys there. And for him personally, I don't know if it'd be a slam dunk for him to have to join and and kind of deal with the scrutiny of playing for dad and then, oh, is he getting too many minutes because he's the coach's son? That That's kind of a lot to deal with. If you're just going there for one year, that's a lot of pressure. So the learning curve is something I'm not worried about with him. 
obviously the defense, the schemes, all that stuff, it's been drilled in him since he was since he was like playing leapsters and stuff like that. But I would say that I'm with you. I, I don't know if the fit is there. And I don't know if Syracuse would give him the best opportunity to thrive either because you mentioned yeah. all the logjam and not just that, but if he goes to Syracuse, now I could be slightly off on this, but he would have two years to play if he goes to Syracuse because he'd be getting his free year this year and then he'd be getting another year on top of that. So I don't think that would be the best interest for him. I think if I were a guy like Jimmy Beheim, I would be looking somewhere. Now, I don't know if he can go play Power 5, but I would I look think he could. somewhat... Yeah, I'm not saying he can't, but right. yeah. in terms of if you're going to be a grad transfer, maybe the Power 5 isn't where you would go. Um, maybe, or maybe you go to, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a kid that is playing at an Ivy league right now. Would you look at like a Stanford or something like that of that nature? Um, and just continue to, to just play for these academic powerhouses, something like that. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I'm with you. I don't see it happening at Syracuse as great as the story is again, Stories are are for Disney. They're not necessarily for uh, athletics. So it doesn't always work out and, and fit that way. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like all along when the question has been asked to him, he's kind of shot it down. And we've even asked Goody on this podcast, Matthew Gutierrez, about like, is this ever going to happen? And he's kind of like, yeah, I, I don't really see it because Jimmy seems to really love Cornell. Now that that caveat is kind of out, as I said, Cornell is now not really in the picture. And there is some appeal to, okay, it's a pandemic. I can just stay close to home and he could probably just live at home and, and, you know, make the decision to walk on second semester as you brought up earlier. And that's, that's gotta be pretty appealing to him because then you're still working out and playing in like good facilities. And at the very least, like maybe then from after this second semester, you move on to a graduate transfer year and you move somewhere from Syracuse. So maybe that happens, but I think they just would stay away from it altogether. And if your mindset your entire life has been, yeah, I I love my dad and my brother, don't get me wrong, but I just don't really, like, want to be that guy. I don't want to, like, go through that type of stuff. I don't think, like, it's just going to magically switch. So I'm skeptical that it really happens. And who knows, maybe Jim Beheim will come out in the coming days and be like, yeah, that's that's a non-starter. Like, Jimmy wants to go somewhere else. And, and that yeah, I feel like it. Jim will shut this down pretty quickly now yeah. of course he's he's dealing with COVID-19 so we're probably right. not going to hear from him for quite some time when but... he gets a chance to speak I think he'll address yes. it and, and he, he has a tendency of of kind of picking up on what the tea leaves are saying and, and what people are reading he's and blunt writing with about. it too yeah he'll be direct he'll he'll answer right. it and whatever he says is probably going to be the case right I don't think he's going to come out and lie about it no, and, and no one would know better than, than his dad. So I right. I wouldn't hold your breath that it's going to happen. I saw some people foolishly saying that it would be such a mess if we couldn't get him to come. I mean, look, like, if he isn't coming to Syracuse, it's not because of something Syracuse did wrong. It's just, like, he never had that mindset. It's kind of like J.J. Starling. Like, if he goes to a blue blood and he just wanted to leave Syracuse then it probably wasn't in the cards to begin with anyway so you can't really get too mad at the coaching staff for a scenario like this because I mean 
it, it, like if he wanted to do it, he would do it. And and there's really no way that the coaching staff could like sell harder or something. It's it's Coach Beheim's son, so he'll make the decision that's best for him. Exactly. All right, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow on the show, we'll get you all our reaction to Elijah Hughes being picked and and where he ends up in the NBA draft. And we'll also continue our 10 Thoughts series. We're going to double up tomorrow since we we kind of had more news to get to today. Usually Wednesdays are our 10 Thoughts day, but tomorrow we're going to double up on it. We're going to get into who will lead this team in scoring next season because I think that's an interesting question since... I think there's three solid candidates to answer that question. So we will dive into all of that. And then we're also going to, I know we've kind of already hit on it this week a little bit, but how will COVID impact this season? Again, Syracuse has already been affected by it a little bit. The workouts are on pause, but there's more layers to this than just these workouts being on pause right now. So we will also dive into what this means for the Syracuse season and some ancillary effects that could come out because of of this virus that's been ravaging across the country so we will do all of that on tomorrow's show good luck to elijah hughes tonight we're rooting for him hopefully he's a first round pick hopefully he at least goes under that 39 and a half for us tim so we're looking forward to all of that we will talk to you guys tomorrow